weeknights from 6 on 2FM. Yes, big thanks to the two Johnnies for keeping us entertained this afternoon and indeed all week. It is Friday, March 3rd and I am Shane Dawson and you are listening to Game On. Coming up over the course of the next hour, Rebecca Cray and Alan Colley will preview a big night in the League of Ireland. Cast our eye over what to look out for in the opening weekend of the Women's League of Ireland Premier Division and give us their Premier League predictions too. Gary Moran is in Istanbul for day two of the European Indoor Athletics Championship and he'll bring us up to date with Irish interest there. In Gaelic Games, Ross Munley will be joining us to preview the weekend's fixtures across the National Football Leagues. Jane Mangan will be along for Friday Night Racing as we edge closer to Cheltenham. And if that wasn't enough, Jeff Shepard will be dialing in from the USA with his eye on all things American sport. If you want to get in touch, you can text us on 51552 or tweet us at Game On 2FM. Game On on 2FM. Yes, hello there, good evening. It is great to have your company. And it's Friday evening, the weekend is here, and Rebecca Cray will be joining us very, very shortly, but just a couple of news headlines to fly through. Uh, starting with golf, a second consecutive 70 has left Leona McGuire six shots off the lead at the halfway stage of the HSBC Women's World Championship. The Cavan native is on four under, heading into the weekend at the Sentosa Golf Club course in Singapore, having matched her opening round score, sitting in a tie for 21st. USA's Danielle Kang leads the way on 10 under after a blistering 63, which leaves her shot clear of the chasing pack. Uh, in men's golf the Arnold Palmer Invitational Invitational on the PJ Tour is ongoing. Kurt Kitiyama leads the way on nine under. The best of the Irish uh, are Roy McIlroy and Shane Lowry who have both just finished uh, their rounds. They are on two under par. Seven shots off the lead. Porrick Harrington is one under. Uh, further shot behind McIlroy and Lowry and Seamus Power hasn't started his second round yet but he is level par overall. Finally Reese McLenaghan has secured a silver medal at the Pommel Horse Final in the Doha World Cup event. The Irish gymnast scored 15.033 on the apparatus and was only beaten to gold by an impressive 15.400 from Kazakhstan's Naraman Kurbanov. Game on. Football. Now it is time to turn our attention to soccer and the Women's League of Ireland Premier Division to be precise. The newly christened Women's League of Ireland Premier Division uh, no longer the Women's National League and Rebecca Cray joins me now. Rebecca, how's things? I'm good. How are you, Shane? I'm very well. I'm very well. I'm very well. Good, good. Um, so, the new season kicks off tomorrow with five exciting games taking place all live on LOI TV. Champion Shelburne set about chasing a three in a row as they take on Cork City. A new look Galway United host Wexford Youth. Sligo Rovers welcoming the returning Shamrock Rovers. Treaty United come up against Bohemians and Athlone Town entertain Piemont United while DLR Waves are on a bye week. So, Rebecca. Becca, I suppose, let us start with the current champions, Shelburne, after strengthening their respective uh, squads in the off-season. Many clubs will have uh, their sights set on a title push, but Shelburne uh, have brought in um, a couple of new faces. They still have that experienced core, but a lot of players have left the club, uh, most notably a few big names going to Shamrock Rovers. Uh, I suppose the standout signing is former winger Siobhan Clean rejoining uh, the Reds. But overall, do you feel Noel King has strengthened the side enough considering the, the players that have left? And what's, what's the balance like there at the moment? Yeah, most definitely. I think obviously when the, the, the girls that did leave for Rovers you know, initially left, there was that sense of shock firstly and you know kind of you know where do we go from here because I, I know like over the course of time a lot of people were you know going between teams in the league obviously not shells um, so we kind of had to look further afield um, besides the likes of Sophie Waters Nadine Clare and Kerry Letman 
um, who are all brilliant players in their own right, you know, and obviously Sophie was with us previously um, as well. But with the likes of Maggie Pierce has come in, Kayla Hamrick then as well from, from Youth and Dash, Christy Gray, Rue Mutachera, I can never pronounce her second name, she'll kill me for that. But Siobhan coming in, I think, is, is huge. You know, everyone knows across the league the, the level of, of skill she has, you know, obviously across the GAA, but mm. but in uh, in football as well. And, uh, you know, it's been great to have her back because it's, you know, she's not lost. It's like riding a bike, you know, when Siobhan gets on the ball, she's she's still like lightning and she's got great skill and she has that little bit of bite about her as well, you know, which is, I think it's just been a mainstay for all of us. I suppose a lot of us that came from the likes of Rahini, True Shells, um, she has that bit about her. So, yeah, it's going to be an exciting time and, you know, I think those exits that we had with Rovers are, are long in the past. Uh, you know, we've, we've all forgotten them and, and we've pushed on now. And yeah, it's, it's, it's very exciting. I'm sure Shells will be looking to forget that President's Cup defeat to Atalone Town as well and, and re, uh, regroup from that as well. Uh, they kick off their campaign uh, at home to Cork tomorrow. Great to see senior women's and men's football indeed played in the historic Tolka Park in its 1990 year of service providing a necessary sports amenity to the community. Um, you touched on the Shamrock Rovers uh, players that are leaving. Like, There's going to be a lot of focus now on Collie O'Neill and this Shamrock Rovers team considering the, the squad that they have, big names, big money, big pressure to actually gel together quickly and perform from the off. A hundred percent. Like, I think, you know, it's it's very easy to come in and, you know, get a lot of players from, from a lot of the top teams across the league and, you know, and say you're going to do this and say you're going to do that. But but tomorrow is when, when we're all going to see how that pans out. You know, um, as you said, they are a big club, you know, big money, big, all, you know, whatever they may have. But... Mm. As I said, the, the the work and the talk is done on the pitch, um, and I think that's going to be where you know everything is found out. As I said, look, it's it's great. As I said, for the league, you know, if you're going to be raising standards, that's what we all want. Um, it is you know, though, and, good, good for the league. Sorry to cut across you, but in terms of it, it's very good for Shamrock Rovers, and it will certainly certainly yeah. the case. But in terms of it's going to weaken P Mount, it's going to weaken DLR. It, it's a somewhat weakened yeah. cells in terms of players going as well. So is that good for the league? In terms of getting another team in, I think it's good for the league in the way that's been done. Not in my opinion. Um, I was very much, you know, obviously, I'm sure people seeing across social media, you know, when it did happen initially, it was, you know, obviously it's, it's a shock when you lose players and, and people that you've, you've been close to. But, you know, the other teams that have been, you know, at the, the, the helm, the likes of P-Mount and um, teams like that and DLR who have, have lost players, you know, it's it's kind of, it's a hard one to take, I know, for those those clubs as well. Um, you know, you kind of, you're looking at it going, you're taking all these players from from one club. You know, I think we lost six ourselves. Um, I'm not too sure about the other clubs, but mm. it's not a balance, you know. And I think the way it was done, and obviously, you know, the setup. We all want that professional status. We all want great things to come for the league. But I think it needed to be a, a graduated thing. It needs to be something that was, you know, brought in over the course of a year or two to to give other teams in the league who the likes of P Mount, you know, and and DLR who don't have that kind of link to to men's teams if that makes sense yeah, yeah. Um, to, to you know make it sustainable yeah, more than anything that is um, that, that, that's what we want long term a sustainable league and a competitive league and I think it's certainly going to be a competitive league now I was reading actually a, a Karen Duggan a P-Mount captain article in the Irish Times a really good article on, on kind of expressing some views in terms of the, what the league is going to do there's a couple of Ireland internationals mm. the Shamrock Rovers and of course Vera Powell has brought in a couple of players from overseas who have got their Irish passports and be interested to see if they can bet into the Irish team but in terms of P-Mount I mean it seems like everyone's writing them off writing DLR off but like write them yeah. off at your peril because they're not going to be lacking any uh, any needed motivation I suppose completely like you can never write the likes of P-Mount Wexford all these teams off you know they've still got 
great players at Beam. And if you look at Karen Duggan there, Betty, Becky Watkins, Carol McManus has come in. Um, you know, they still have got a mainstay of players there who are, are very good. Um, Avra Briley as well has gone to Pima and Kate Mooney. Mm. Um, you know, and, and again at Wexford, like they've brought in Emily Corbett there. You know, you've got Louise Corrigan assigned with them. Rihanna Jarrett has come home. Um, so, like, I think Rovers have brought this pressure on themselves to, to perform now and, you know, the, the big guns in, in quotes, <laughs> you know, to, to try and prove themselves. But you can never, ever write off the rest of the, 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 the league, you know, alone as well. Um, will be you know, chomping at the bit to, to get get going and prove their points from last year. You know, they, they obviously done that last week mm. against Shells. Um so I think it's I think we say this every year, it's probably gonna be the best year yet, you know, it's gonna be quite competitive. It's gonna be, you know, four, five, six teams possibly at the top, you know, fighting it out. Um but you, you can never underestimate the teams that are, have been there across the last few years. Yeah, so you, you have your Shells, Rovers, P-Mount, DLR, Wexford, Athlone Town, uh, of course, as well, who who are, as I mentioned, President's Cup champions, inaugural President's Cup champions at the moment. But then you look at the likes of, say, Galway United, Treaty United, two new managers there, Phil Trill in at Galway as well, and Alban Heise, who uh, done great work underage uh, at P-Mount. And, like, would they be two sides who may not be challenging, but will be looking to, to set solid foundations similar with Cork as well a lot of young talent there yeah completely like you're, you're looking at the likes of Treaty I think they've brought in a good few you know players from, from Canada as well um, who I don't know too much about you know I know the likes of Kira McCormick would have played her internationally back in the day um, but she's got good contacts that she's she's brought in a, a good few from Canada which you know I think it's it's I felt a bit sorry for Treaty across the last few years you know because they always turned up they always gave a game you know they didn't get obviously results um, across last season but you know they always tried to their, their hardest the same with Galway you know they're a tough side to, to play against um, you know going down there is never an easy task they still have the likes of Lindsay McKee who has been fantastic for them over the last few years great experience um, I'm sure they've a good bit of youth coming through as well you know like Rola uh, Alusala I think her name is um, and then the, the, the Brady sisters as well and Gemma McGuinness there so you know you can't you can't underestimate these say teams that would be in the, the lower half of the league even Cork now tomorrow um, you know, I know Danny Danny Murphy is quite a passionate manager. You know, he he kind of he's he's dug deep with them and he's he's kept a few you know a good few players there. So I don't think any team is going to be an easy easy uh, game. Mm. Um, no matter who anyone plays, you know, um, and then that's what you want. Um, so it can only can only do good things for the league. Absolutely, that's exactly what we want long term as well. Sligo Rovers, we haven't even even mentioned, and Sarah Rowe, yeah. former Shelburne player, uh, going to Bohemians as well. Be interesting yeah. to see how much match time she's actually able to play. But again, you know, again, that just emphasises your your point about the competitiveness of this league, and there's going to be no walkovers and no pushovers. Yeah, exactly. Like I just hope Sarah Rowe doesn't start catching the ball or picking up the ball or whatever. But uh, yeah, no, it is. It's again. Look, I think a lot of people now have the the World Cup in the back of their minds as well. There might be a few people, you know, thinking that they may get in there. You know, with the likes of Vera, obviously, you know, with her eyes open now, she's brought in people from further fields to see how the you know they do winning camps. I think there's there's players, you know, that may be in the been in the shadows in the last few years who who haven't played. Um, you know, in, in the country or whatever it may be, are, are coming home as well to play and um, to see if they can they can get in there. And look, I'm, as I said, excited. Look, I know we probably would love to have Sarah back in, in Shells Reds, but look, you have to understand, like she, she wants to go and push herself and challenge herself at a new club. Um, and again, it's, it's, a, it's a great sign for, for Bows, yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, with 11 teams now involved, you know, as we mentioned earlier, Rebecca, this promises to be an entertaining season. And as I mentioned earlier, you can watch every game live on LOI TV. Galway, Wexford tomorrow, 2pm. Shelburne, Cork and Tolka Park, the historic Tolka Park, 2pm. Sligo Rovers, Shamrock Rovers and Showgrounds, 5pm. Treaty United, Bows and Marketsfield at 5pm. And Athlone Town v Mount is the evening kickoff, 7pm tomorrow. Rebecca, before I let you go, I can't go without asking your own Whitehall Rangers defending the FAI Intermediate Cup very briefly this Sunday as well. Looking for another big season? Yeah, hopefully, let's hope so. I'm not there myself, unfortunately. I'm away at the minute um, in Edinburgh, so I uh, hope the girls can, can do the business and we'll, we'll see what happens this year, yeah? Well, very best of luck with it and enjoy Edinburgh, Rebecca. Thank you very much uh, for Cheers. taking the call. Um, OK, from Association Football to Gaelic Football, Ross Munley is on the line now to look ahead at the Alliance Leagues. Ross, how's the form? All is good, thank you. All is good. Good evening to everyone. Good, good. It's great to have your company on this uh, Friday evening. Uh, lots to get through. We are motoring along nicely. Um, let's mix it up a bit. I was going to start with Division 1, but you know what? Let's, let us start with Division 2 uh, and Derry Dublin live on RT Television on Saturday, if we're going chronologically. And don't worry, we will give your own leash a mention as well there. They're throwing in on, on Saturday as well. Um, there is a lot of focus on this, whether this is a moving weekend, as James McMahon wrote on the RT Sport website earlier, is, is open to debate, but firm indicators could emerge if Derry continue to kick on from last year and lower the Dublin colours at Celtic Park. Kildare's spring of discontent, apart from the smash and grab win over Clare, could nosedive further if they lose to Loud, while Limerick will be as good as relegated if they lose to Mead and both Clare and Kildare record victories. Derry have looked good, four wins from four. Dublin have looked Okay, four wins from four. Will this clash live up to the hype, Ross? Um, I think, on one hand, you've got Derry, who are going extremely well. They're, they've picked up where they left off last year. Uh, amazingly, they're the highest scorers, and they've conceded the least in in the top two divisions, which is an indication of, of how well they're transitioning from defence to, to attack. Um, it's it really is it's a fascinating tie. It's first the first the second in the table. On the other hand, Dublin, their Desi Farrell has made no secret of the fact that he's trying to blood new players and he's trying to find players. And you just look at what they brought off the bench the last day to finish out the game: Costello, Scully, and McCaffrey, Merchant. So mm. I think you have to look at Dublin with a little bit of balance and understand the job that. Desi Farrell is trying to do all evidence so far would suggest a home win but very much depends on what team Desi Farrell uh, selects to start will he, will he go to try and win the game or will he be happy enough to continue trying to develop players but as, as things stand you'd fancy Derry for the home win Yeah well that one as I mentioned is live on RT Television RT2 on Saturday evening 5pm throwing let us uh, go back up to Division 1 then and I enjoyed I'm not sure if our listeners may have read Tommy Martin in The Examiner who uh summarised uh, Mayo at the moment of Mayo are the Taylor Swift of All-Ireland flops constantly reinventing themselves evolving from the simple days of curses and hard luck stories to new more challenging material involving own goals goalkeeping rickets and the spectacular synchronised flub of the 2021 final against Tyrone yet Mayo four matches four unbeaten two wins two draws top of Division 1 I mean Mayo for Sam Ross what's stopping them? Yeah they're looking really exciting it's um to me, this is a real uh, clash this weekend between themselves and Roscommon. I think the two the two points from the game, or two incidents in the game, the last day from a Mayo perspective against Tyrone really summed up what they're about this year. I think Frank Burns knocked over a point late in the game, uh, but it was the fourth shot 
in the space of kind of 10 seconds. The first three shots had been blocked on the line uh, by the Mayo defenders and, and eventually Frank Burns then uh, knocked it over the bar for a point. That's the determination and the steel that they're defending with at the moment. And then on the flip side of it, I'm sure everyone has seen the clips of the Aidan O'Shea pass um, for for the, the, the outside of the left boot pass that ended up in the goal. Just phenomenal, phenomenal score. So breathtaking in terms of uh, how Mayo are, are really, really scoring. And um, they're the highest scorers in, in Division 1 and they're averaging 18 scores a game. So um, you'd have to fancy them for the away win this weekend against Roscommon. Are Roscommon the, the surprise package of the division so far? I don't think Roscommon are ever a surprise package. They're such wonderful footballers and, and they're playing a really nice style of football. And any team that that is backboned by the likes of the Dailies and the Smiths, and particularly Ender Smith having a, having a fantastic um, having a fantastic season, and you've got the the Murtas and the likes of Ben O'Carroll who's a young player really showing his class in the league so far so Roscommon are always capable of putting up a big score so um, it won't be by, it won't be easy uh, to get the away win for Mayo Roscommon will obviously be, be smart after the, the loss last weekend against Roscommon and they're back in the height so but I just think with the, the, the flamboyancy of, the, of Mayo at the moment um, I fancy them because of just the scores that they're that they're racking up but it must be said Roscommon are the second best defensive team in Division 1 this year so uh, again that's a kind of an intricacy of the game that we'll have to see how it plays out mm. Well it will be interesting certainly going to be competitive Let us move on to the uh, Ulster um, teams at the moment because Armagh are playing Donegal on Saturday evening at half seven and Kerry make the trip up to Tyrone at 12.45 on Sunday now Tyrone are bottom of Division 1 at the moment two points from four matches and Armagh and Donegal are in six and seven respectively three points from four matches like is this just we go back to the age old of debate of ah, look it's only the league we're building towards the summer or how would you assess um, their performances so far yeah, well, if, I'm ta- if we take Tyrone in, in the first instance, I, I'm, the thing I'd be concerned for Tyrone at the moment is that the amount of scores that they're conceding whilst having 12, 13 men behind the ball and uh, I guess worrying insofar as teams are coming straight through the centre on them at the moment. So whether that's players not tracking runners or something amiss with the defensive setup, like two of the Two of the two of the, the goals last weekend against Mayo, um, or, or the Kilio, sorry, the Kilio O'Connor point, mm. um, certainly towards him, that came directly from Hessian coming straight through the middle, um, and then the Dermot O'Connor goal uh, was a result of carrying the ball right through the centre of defence. So, I think that's a that's of a big concern. I think any day you concede four goals in, in the National League game, um, you're really going to be looking to to put that right. Um, probably Kerry coming to town is not the best time to be doing it but all bets are off in, in the Kerry to our own fixtures as we know it'll be in Oma it'll be uh, it, it'll be you know a real siege mentality from from Tyrone but you would be concerned for them at the moment and um, as a player it's uh, I never look forward to the 12.45 throw in so it, it's an early one um, in terms of the, the start time of the game um, but you would have to fancy Kerry for, for an away win but Anything is is possible when when this fixture is in town. So, um, but I would be I would be very encouraged with uh, Kerry at the moment. They seem to be getting stronger and stronger. 
really impressed by uh, by Dara Roach. There, uh, he's a he's a top quality forward, and he's settled nicely into that team. Certainly, lots to be impressed about. Well, you won't like this Sunday because there's two twelve forty five throw-ins, Tyrone Kerry and, and indeed Guy Mon. And listen, Ross, we're we're a bit pushed for time, so very briefly, I can't let you go without mentioning Leash uh, Division Four clash, Leash Waterford, six p.m. on Saturday evening. Will you have enough to to get over Waterford? Yeah, hopefully so. Leash were disappointed the, the last they lost out um, to Wicklow. Shane McConnell's team were fantastic in the, in the second half, but Billy Sheen and his management team are doing a right good job with this Leash team this year. Uh, disappointed last year, first year in the job, trying to get things, trying to get game plans and things set up. I was obviously involved myself, but I've been on all the games this year and really, really pleased with the quality of football and the style of play. The kicking game of Leash is fantastic at the minute. And uh, having Evan O'Carroll back could be a game changer at the weekend. So I'd fancy Leash for the two points. Happy days. On that positive note, we shall take a break. Ross Munley, thank you very much uh, for taking the call. Uh, don't forget, there's live blogs each day in RT Sport Online and the RT News app of those Gaelic football matches. Live commentaries and updates on RT1 Radio 1 Saturday Sport and Sunday Sport from 2pm. RT Radio Niguel talk to Sport and Saturn from 1.20pm and Sport on late 12.25pm. Soccer's next with Alan Colley. Game on. Football. Now, you're very welcome back to Game On. Alan Colley joins me now to look at the Men's League of Ireland Premier Division after we mentioned all 11 teams in the Women's League of Ireland Premier Division. It is only fair to mention all teams in the Men's Division. Uh, Drogheda Sligo is 7.45 this evening. Cork City versus UCD, 7.45 in Turner's Cross. Dundalk Pats in Oriel Park, 7.45. Shells Bows in Tolka Park, 7.45 as well. And Rovers Derry, the much anticipated Shamrock Rovers and Derry Alan Colley. Um, a lot of narratives around this. So Rovers win the start of the league for the champions, crisis of absent defenders and Derry City injury hoodoo are just some of those narratives. It is a fixture that will attract over 7,000 fans to Tallis Stadium, which is brilliant. Uh, the Hoops, of course, chasing four league titles in a row. Derry expected to be the, the leading challenger. Um, I suppose it would be significant, Alan, if Derry could go to Tallis tonight and open up a five-point gap. But will Rovers approach this one tactically different, given their defensive absentees? Yeah, I think that's going to be the most fascinating thing because, as you well know, Shane, Shamrock Rovers play with three centre-halves and two wing-backs and a box in midfield, and they've done that now for the last two, three years under Stephen Bradley. So it will be interesting with the lack of options he has at centre-half with three of them suspended, Lopez, Cleary and uh, Grace. Will he actually revert to a back four for the first time probably under his tenure since he started? So that's the fascinating side of it in terms of the tactical stuff. Obviously, Derry City will prepare for Shamrock Rovers as if they're preparing for them with a full-strength team. Uh, despite the fact that they are missing the three centre-halves they still have a very very good squad of players to pick from as we all know and they do have personnel that can slot into those positions as well so I wouldn't be crying too much uh, about Charmic Rovers and the squad and the fact that, that they're missing a couple of players that happens to all the teams and all um, throughout the season but obviously they are ones that they can cater for with the squad that they have so I wouldn't have too much sympathy in that regard they'll still have a very strong team on the pitch tonight but as you said they're facing Derry City who should be and what we all expect to be their closest challengers for the season ahead and Derry if you remember back Shane last year as well they had a very good record over Shamrock Rovers in the games that they played they always came at them with a very attacking minded approach whether it be home or away took the game to Shamrock Rovers so I'm expecting no different tonight and I think Derry will fancy their chances 
Well, it would be interesting to see because I probably can't read too much into the President's Cup, so it would be interesting to see how much progress uh, Derry City has made. Just to note, Alan Reynolds uh, took charge of training at Derry City this week with Rory Higgins in Sweden following the untimely passing of his brother. And just like to, to mention all of our, our thoughts and condolences from all of the game on team, of course, go to the, the Higgins uh, family. Uh, Rory will be back in the dugout for the game uh, this evening, so that will be interesting to see how that one uh, fares on the pitch. Shells bows in Tolka Park, Alan. Um, I say this objectively, but I feel Shells have played well and they're unlucky not to have six points this season. However, they have zero points. Uh, sorry, they have one point from the draw with Drogheda, uh, defeat to Pats um, last weekend as well. I fear that this is going to be a very one-sided match in favour of the opponents. Would you agree or disagree? I'll go 50-50 with you on the Shells assessment so far, Shane, because what I've heard is that first game in particular against Strada, that it wasn't all that impressive, despite the fact that they did have a couple of chances, particularly Matty Smith should have won the game in that regard, but I think Strada were good value. Last week, I watched Shelburne, and I have to say they didn't deserve to lose the game at all against St. Pat's. If anything, they were the ones pushing on in the second half, looking the more likely to score, and they were caught with a sucker punch towards the end on Doyle scoring for Pat's, but Pat's weren't impressive at all, and if anything, Shelburne were the, the better team on the night. Um, so I'll meet you 50-50 on that one, and I think tonight, <laughs> I'd be a bit more hopeful Shane than what you're saying you're being a bit pessimistic so far early in the season I know Bohemians have got off to a great start and all is looking rosy in the garden at the moment on and off the pitch but we are only two games into the season I saw Bowes the first night down in Turner's Cross played very very well uh, very fit looking very strong looking deserved the three points that night followed it up with a really good victory last week against Dundalk so they have hit the ground running and, and things are looking good and they are a good side but I think Shelburne something like what we've seen last year I think they will get stronger as the season goes on and they're probably unlucky at this moment in time to be down where they are with only one point after two games so I think it'll be more evenly matched those teams tonight than what you're making out hopefully hopefully <laughs> I hope you're right and Sean Boyd that's just your pessimistic uh, fan hat on Shane take it off and listen to me I'd be an objective what do we say Shell's going to win the league not a chance um, Sean no, Boyd missing no I did, did they did play well last week so I mm. think it'll be a competitive game it should be a great game uh, great atmosphere I'm sure it'll be in Talca Park as well I'm heading to Tala myself I would have went to that only for the big game in Tala but it uh, should be a cracking game as well between between Bows and Shells Sold out in Talca Park which is uh, great to see um, so it will be interesting Sean Boyd out for Shells long term or mid medium to long term I think it is so it will be interesting to see if they can you know replace the goals that he scored and even off field interesting developments with Shelburne apparently in talks with whole city owners let us move on on to uh, Dundalk St. Pat's uh, before we briefly run through the other fixtures uh, Alan Diaz Stevie O'Donnell Derby are you concerned with Dundalk's start of the league? Uh, not concerned in terms of thinking that they'll have a, a, a dismal season but concerned oh, you'd always be concerned when you've only one point out of six I don't think they were ever going to be in a challenge um, towards the top end in terms of winning the league but I definitely had them down as uh, the European challengers and obviously to finish in Europe last year so again I'm sure Stevie's just trying to find his feet uh, in terms of the comings and goings and there's been a lot of uh, players have come into the squad this year there's a little bit of uncertainty with the stuff off the pitch but I don't think Stevie will concern himself too much with that he'll be focusing on everything that's on the pitch and I just think he's probably just trying to find his best 11 because there has been a few new signings uh, so I don't think he'll be overly concerned in terms of them thinking he'll have a poor season uh, but he will be concerned the fact that they haven't picked up a victory yet um, and it's only one point out of six something like Shelburne but 
tonight is a good opportunity to hit the ground running against uh, Pats, who I wasn't overly impressed with last week, I have to say, even though they're sitting pretty up there with four points, and I do expect him to have a good season, and Tim Clancy's done a good job since he's gone in there, but they weren't great last week, Shane, so I think Dundalk at home in front of a big packed crowd in Oriel Park as well, I think they might just fancy their chances of getting those first three points on the board tonight. Okay, we'll be interesting to see. Uh, two other fixtures. Uh, let us just get your thoughts on who you may feel win. Drogheda United versus Sligo Rovers and Weavers Park. How do you think that one will go? Yeah, it's tough to call. Sligo Rovers had a great start. Obviously, the draw against Shamrock Rovers, people saying they, they could have picked up three points that night and um, they followed it up with a victory away to UCD despite the fact that they were behind twice in that match. Uh, UCD got robbed, get, Alan. Get after, they were yeah, robbed. Uh, uh, well, Shane, I will not sit on that fence. They were absolutely robbed, despite the fact that I'm from Sligo as well. I agree totally with you. And that's something that concerns me is I've seen a couple of referee decisions so far and I'm not overly impressed with the standard of refereeing that we've seen so far. That needs to improve. But um, they were robbed, UCD, I'll, I'll give you that. So Sligo Rovers, though, four points on the board. And if you look at, obviously, the game tonight against Drada, Drada picked up a great point last week. Again, people suggesting they could have picked up three. I know Shamrock Rovers were two men down at that stage, but uh, they've had a good start, Drada, especially the fact that a lot of talk off the field as well in terms of budgets being cut and it was going to be a major struggle. I still think it will be a struggle, but to have two points on the board after six is a positive enough start for them. And that'll be a tough game for Sligo Rovers tonight away to Drada. So, um but I will go with my own hometown team to get the victory. The other one then, UCD and Cork. UCD, again, if it had a decent enough start, as you said, they were robbed last week. Probably could have picked up a point, if not all three. Um, and obviously the first game as well, they drew with Dundalk. So I watched Cork first night of the season, and they're the ones I've been I've been so disappointed with so far. I know it's a big jump, Shane, from the first division up to the Premier, but a club as big as Cork City, I felt, should have been a bit more prepared for that jump. And they've been very, very poor abject really in the two games that they've played so far but at home tonight against UCD I think they'll, they'll want to target that one as a team that'll be down fighting relegation with them that they want to pick up the three points OK before we move on to the Premier League just uh, one brief question on the first division the fixtures are Kerry versus Treaty United Waterford versus Galway United Wexford versus Athlone Town Finn Harris versus Bray Wanderers uh, this evening two great stories uh, Finn Harris manager Davey Rogers on Twitter has offered to pay for the travel expenses and a match ticket of a Bray fan who he saw was travelling up to Finn Park for the first time which I think is just you know emphasises what the League of Ireland is all about and the second one I want to know Alan Carley was it yourself up the tree for those who missed the, the Waterford FC statement that they put out that an opposition analysis was kicked out of their training after are spying on themselves now there's been no rumours as to what club it was Alan but I mean it's some yarn is this uh, Bielsa Gate on, yeah, on our yeah. patch? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> you remember that one with Lampard, yeah. was it, in Derby County? And Bielsa came out with the big presentation for all the journalists and everything. So uh, are we going to see that from the Waterford manager during the week? But Hopefully. a couple of, as you say, one crazy story and one lovely story. I lived with Dave, so that's indicative of him, really. I, I saw that tweet on Twitter and... Um, just goes to show you that, that I suppose the closeness of the league and uh, how in touch they are with the fans and there was one there was one I saw last week Declan Devine replied to a tweet about three points being delivered to the bus stop I don't know if you saw that one <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. that was brilliant as well online so we do have those characters in the league which is great to see and that's what makes the league so special Shane and long may it continue absolutely uh, so say all of us uh, let us move on to the Premier League very briefly as was a big one on Sunday United uh, visit Liverpool Will Manchester United win at Anfield for the first time in over seven years, Alan? 
you'd have to fancy them, Shane. They're in unbelievable form. Um, and despite the fact that even in a couple of games lately, they've gone a goal down uh, Barcelona last week, West Ham in the Cup. They never look like they're in any panicked situation, despite the fact that even... Uh, going a goal down or going behind and I, I always like to look at that in a team it just tells you they're in control of what they're doing fully believe in what they're doing as well even if they do go a goal behind so you'd have to fancy them Liverpool have been so up and down um, I know they've picked up a couple of wins obviously the win during the week against Wolves as well as a big help got them back into that fight for top four but they've been very hit and miss and poor and inconsistent all year so should be a cracking game looking forward to but you'd have to fancy United yeah, and of course, the news today, Liverpool forward Roberto Firmino is set to leave the club when his contract expires at the end of this season. Uh, top two are in action. Arsenal host Bournemouth, Manchester City host Newcastle. Will it be a case of more of the same? Two teams just pushing on and winning. Will City have that killer instinct to... Uh, in the? Uh, I enjoy, sorry, I enjoy the Guardian christening this one. Killer instinct in the nothing to see here, Derby. <laughs> <laughs> very good Shane I like that one very, the Guardian are very good but um, you'd have to fancy Man City I watched them during the week in the Cup and they looked very very good Foden back on song De Bruyne is scoring a cracking goal as well so you would have to fancy them Newcastle have stumbled as, of late and obviously lost the Cup final as well so they'll need to pick themselves up from that to fallen out of the top four also and Arsenal have reacted brilliantly to that blip that they've had um and obviously getting back on winning ways in the last three games as well so uh, they have momentum back with them and I'd fancy them strongly against Bournemouth City might be a bit more of a trickier tie but I still expect them to beat Newcastle so two wins for the top two Shane OK we very briefly ran to uh, two final League of Ireland fixtures I have two more Premier League fixtures for you and two very brief questions if Chelsea lose the Leeds at home on Saturday is that the end for Graham Potter and can Tottenham bounce back from their rocky form away to Wolves? The first one with Potter, I've defended him all along, Shane, but it's hard to defend uh, the Southampton one uh, where they got beat. And obviously last week against Spurs as well, they were abject in that performance. It was terrible. Um, so I don't think if they lose tomorrow, well, if they lose, he's under, he's, he's already under major pressure. But I think the big one for him is the one during the week against Dortmund. And if they get knocked out of the Champions League, I think that'll be him done. And I'm sad to say that because I do want to see him succeed. I'd love to see him give him the time but you need to start. He needs to start showing something as well. And from the performances I've watched in the last couple of weeks, we're very, very poor. On the Spurs one, I was so disappointed with Spurs during the week, Shane. Last 16, chance to get into the quarterfinal of the Cup. And when you look at the teams left, Bar Man United, Man City, such an opportunity to get to a final and maybe win a trophy. And he leaves Harry Kane or Romero on the bench, their two best players. I couldn't believe the thinking behind that against a decent Sheffield United team as well who were riding high in the championship. So I was so disappointed with Conte and Spurs they'll need to get back on track because I'm sure the fans were furious with that decision as well and that defeat um, they're all, their main focus is obviously finishing that top four in Conte but what an opportunity to get to a cup final and I'm so disappointed with that OK great stuff Alan Colley enjoy Atala Stadium uh, and enjoy wherever League of Ireland match you are going to be going to we're going to be back in 2 minutes 40 seconds with Gary Moran live from Istanbul Game on on 2FM now, the 2023 European Athletics Indoor Championships are currently ongoing in Istanbul, Turkey. And Orti Sports' Gary Moran is over there for us. Uh, Gary, it was a bit of a mixed bag for Team Ireland yesterday. What has been the story of day two? Uh, 
Um, not a whole lot better, to be honest, Shane. I'm going to deal, first of all, with the men's 1,500-metre final where Lou McCann qualified really well last night. The pre-race prediction from most was that the outstanding, the brilliant Jakob Britson from Norway would win from Britain's Neil Gourley, which he did. Gun to tape in a championship record, 3 minutes, 33.95. Many contenders ahead of the gun for the bronze medal, perhaps. Luke McCann, though, Ireland's first finalist of the championships, was fairly disappointed. He finished 10th, 3 minutes, 44 seconds. Here's his view of the race. That was kind of like the idea. I think everybody knew Jakob had to take it to Gurley. Um, the only way really to beat him is to get rid of that kick. And so I was prepped for that as well. I didn't get the greatest start, but um, there was a bit of a fall after, I think, after 150 and... I got a bit of a spike, but pretty like unscathed. Like that's like I was kind of fortunate to kind of like sneak around a couple of those guys. Um, and I thought I like, felt pretty comfortable when um, uh, I kind of latched onto Dev Jani. I saw there was a bit of a gap. Um, I just made that slight like push to pass him um, in and around the K, and then really thought I could like kick on here. And like I like in Boston, I I closed a few gaps there, and I knew I was well capable of it, but. You'd almost think the fitness wasn't there or something. That's how it kind of felt. Like, Lactic just coming at me after two and a half minutes just shouldn't really happen. Um, and I thought after Birmingham, 57s should feel routine. But um, I, I think my last 600 was probably, like, 130 or 131 there, and that's just rookie numbers. Can I ask you... Uh between when we spoke last night when you know you were you said the caffeine and the adrenaline and all that and, and it might be that easy to get to sleep and then maybe you'd, you'd have a long sleep this morning did you, did you did you feel well rested coming out here this afternoon yeah i feel like i did everything as professional as possible um i spoke to andrew Coskin yesterday and he was kind of giving me a few pointers on what he kind of does um in between heats and finals because i know he's been there on multiple occasions but um, yeah, I was listening to the physios, all their advice on resting and recovering and, and doing everything right. And I was fueled up today. Like, literally, there's no excuse at all. Like, I feel as good as I did before Birmingham. So um, maybe it's just the inexperience of dealing with a heat in a final back-to-back. That's my first ever time doing it outside of Nationals. And realistically, for guys of our caliber, the heats at Nationals isn't really a race. So, yeah, I need to just go back with my coach now and see how can I get fitter and deal with these kind of situations you're a bit peed off at the moment and I want an honest answer though even so you're disappointed with the final like honestly do you come away from here in some way happy to reach a senior final or are you going to go that's really disappointing um, well no like I have to come away happy enough um, I made the final that was like job number one um, like no like not my coach not my my dad who was my coach for six years were like they were happy that I was just in the final but I suppose that buzz. Yeah, I mean, I was happy yesterday, but the buzz kind of wears off then, even before you go to sleep. And it's just like, today is another business day as well. And um, I had expectations for myself. Like, I was in there off time. I was third ranked. Um, I know there's other, there's other guys there that were a bit more experienced, made finals in the past, and maybe have gone quicker than me outdoor. But um, I should, I, like, that's where I want to be. So, um, like, I'm looking, I'm looking around the car room thinking, like, I want to race you guys every week. Um, I can't be scared of these kind of situations. And um, yeah, hopefully I can just be a bit better in the summer.
Well, that's Luke McCann. Now, to wrap up on the pentathlon, which has been going on since early morning, the final of the five events, Kate O'Connor, 2 minutes 20.08 in the 800 metres. Ninth overall for the event, 4,353 points, just 43 points off the national record she set in January. And Charlene Maudsley came through the 400 metre heats this morning. Not that she was happy with her uh, performance in that heat, even unhappier with the semi-final, 53.37 uh, last of the six athletes in her semi-final. So now we look to tomorrow and hope that perhaps maybe Israel Olatunde in the 60 metres might, up, might light up the morning and the evening session for the Irish fans. And that's a wrap here on day two in Istanbul. Great stuff, Gary Moran. Thank you very much. Enjoy the weekend and there will be updates across RT Radio and RT Television as well are broadcasting the day three and four of the European Athletics live from Istanbul. Game on. Eye on America. Now it is time for US Sport with Jeff Shepard and Jeff, I can only apologise of my tardiness and my horrible timekeeping yesterday that we had to uh, push you out to today. So it wasn't our producer Andrew Connor's fault. I take full blame for that, so I do apologise. But we are going to go back even further to the Thursday before and a conversation yourself and Marie Crow were having and you have a bit of an update hopefully on Aaron Rodgers and his uh, inner peace four day darkness <laughs> retreat I think is the correct term to give it well you know Shane after not being able to appear on yesterday's show I sat in the darkness for 24 hours myself <laughs> no so he uh, yeah so just real quick to recap so Aaron Rodgers you know is deciding whether or not he wants to return for another season either with the Green Bay Packers or someone else or retire and so this this year, his adventure is he was going to sit in a dark room for four days and just kind of reflect and, and figure out what he wants to do. Now, he has emerged from his, you know, cocoon, if we if you will. And he says he, he really feels better about where he is with his life and he feels like he's gotten some answers. He's not ready to share any of that yet. And I don't know if he's actually started having the conversations with the Packers or anyone else. But he said he was... He was really scared. He felt like it was just really go back to Green Bay or retire. And, and it was just these two real big choices that he was scared of making. And he says he feels like he's in a better place now about, you know, himself personally and what he wants to do with his future. Again, he's just not ready to share that publicly. Okay. Well, we'll be interested to see where this uh, where this leads to, I suppose, and how uh, he will be enlightened and the enlightenment that anyone can get from a four-day darkness retreat. Haven't tried it myself, Shep, but sure, each to their own. Um, let us chat basketball. One on what well, one I suppose on court story and one off court story uh, starting yeah. with the on court story uh, the Kevin Durant era in Phoenix got off to a solid start this week with the uh, 13 time NBA All-Star scoring 23 points um, and going well you know big expectations living up to those expectations no absolutely you know he um you know, he got traded from Brooklyn to Phoenix uh, about a month or so ago, and he's been injured. So he he was coming back from this injury, and he finally made his debut this week. And as you mentioned, he scored 23 points. And with him in the lineup, I mean, the Suns, they go from, you know, I think right now they're seated like maybe fourth or fifth in the in the Western Conference. And, and I mean, they've got to shoot up to the top as the favorites, you know, with, with Chris Paul and Devin Booker as well. And, you know, just a, a veteran roster. I think, you know, he... 
he didn't get what he was expecting to get in Brooklyn, um, whether that's playing with Kyrie Irving. And look, the, the pandemic had a lot to do with that. But I, I think he is going to be reinvigorated. I, I thought it was interesting, you know, Shane, he talked about he was nervous. And you think about it, he's been in the NBA for I don't even know how many years now, and he's won like three or four championships. And he was talking about how nervous he was making his debut the other night. So I think if he, you know, gets over those, you know, those butterflies and his stomach that he had that one night and kind of gets back to being who he is. I think the Suns are going to be one of the favorites to win the NBA title this year. Is that the, the expectation that I suppose are on his shoulders now? Nothing more than a, t- a championship title is going to be good enough? Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I mean, look, again, that was kind of what the goal was when he was in Brooklyn, um, and it, it just didn't work out for, again, for a variety of reasons. Um, and, the, and the West is, you know, it's kind of wide open. There's no super dominant team like they've had in, in you know, some previous years. And, and, yeah, that's exactly what the goal is. Shepard, you making tea in the background there? Uh, no, no. I've just got a passenger in my car, and she's oh, okay. making noise. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Pawning the, pawning the blame onto someone else, Jeff. Uh, come here, yes. Um, come here. My final question is uh, a very somber, actually, topic, to be fair. Uh, the family of the late yeah. Bobby Bryant has agreed to a $28.5 million settlement with Los Angeles County to resolve uh, the remaining claims in a lawsuit over deputies and firefighters sharing graphic photos of uh, the NBA star's 13-year-old daughter and other victims killed in a 2020 helicopter crash. Attorneys and uh, court filings revealed on Tuesday of this week. I mean, it's a large amount of money, but it's it's just it's a horrible story. I I don't know what what to make of it. Yeah, I mean, look, Shane. You know, we we talked. I think I believe it was Marie and I had talked about this the, the first time that one of the lawsuits got settled, and Vanessa Bryant was awarded all this money. I mean, obviously, you have you know the what happened just with the helicopter accident that kills her husband and, and kills her oldest daughter. And then on top of that, you have, you know, the first responders that arrive to the scene, they're taking photos, and then you find out that things are being shared. And so having to kind of go through that over and over again. And so uh, this was the second lawsuit, I believe, that has been settled with the county. And yes, so I, I don't. To your point, I mean, what else needs to be said other than just how terrible and egregious of a violation this is um, that, you know, again, she's just having to continuously relive this situation over and over again. Hopefully this is a lesson that can be taken and applied moving forward for folks. I mean, your responsibility is, you know, when you arrive on the scene like that is to you know, provide the emergency help. Not to take photos if you recognize somebody that's been in an accident, so, which uh, which is unbelievable that we actually have to say that, you know? Yeah, no, I, I was very lost for words. I was doing a bit of research on it, like, and, and in terms of that, the pictures were widely shared, and I think the, the court filings revealed that it was a barman or a bartender as well, even in, in one of the mm-hmm. local bars that one of the, the officers drinking received a photo, and it was going so. so I just, I, it's, it really emphasizes the the horrible side of social media and everything that comes with that because we know across all sports as well Shep, this isn't just in American football or NBA or, or anything that's, that's played over in the States that there's so much focus and so much pressure put on people as well and then for people to even have the brain space to do this I just that's that's what I really right. can't comprehend and you know these settlements and 28.5 million and there's a 13.5 million in other settlements you mentioned I think Chris Chester Vanessa Bryan's co-platent at the trial was awarded 15 million dollars at trial I mean they should even be doubled you know you can't put a figure on this just brainless act 
Yeah, and again, hopefully this just kind of serves as a warning. And I would like to think that, you know, this would never cross my mind. I mean, I've never been in a situation like that. I would hope that I wouldn't act that way. But, you know, again, maybe this serves as a warning moving forward for, you know, how people should be conducting themselves in a situation like this. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, Our final point then, I suppose, Shep, let us finish on on a positive note on what's to look forward to uh, in the basketball season as well. Any, Any stories of note for us? Well, I think the the big thing going on here, Shane, is, you know, we are, you know, now it's March 3rd. So we are rapidly approaching March Madness in college basketball. And so, you know, you're getting to the conference tournaments are starting right now. And then you get to March Madness, which is the the college basketball championship. And it's settled over the final three weeks of March. And um, the great part about it is, is that the championship games on a Monday night and then the Masters starts the following weekend. And so it's really just a wonderful time on the sports sports calendar and so you know you've got basketball tipping off at 11 o'clock in the morning and going till 11 o'clock at night um it really just doesn't get any better than that and that's really one of the most wonderful times of the year uh on the sports calendar great stuff Shep your gentleman I'll be chatting to you next Thursday not next Friday so I'll pencil you in to make sure to have the time that's right appreciate it Jeff um okay let us move on to racing and we're saving the best to last Jane Mangan good things come to those that wait let us start with domestic action I know it's 11 sleeps at Cheltenham and we're edging closer there but domestic action this weekend and dock tonight Navin tomorrow Leopardstown and Wexford on Sunday what catches your eye Jane Mangan well, the Navin Flying Bolt Novice Chase tomorrow is always a good race. Now, it's numerically got a small runner field, five runners, but Hollow Games, Flame Bear and Indiana Jones amongst the five, they're quite classy horses, horses that are staying at home, obviously not going to Cheltenham, but this is a very good prize. Wexford, of course, tomorrow, uh, on Sunday, but Leopardstown as well, the Anton O'Toole hurdle looks like a great spot for St. Sam of Willie Mullins and Paul Townend. He's not quite the easiest horse over fences. He's back over hurdles. He doesn't really stay two and a half plus. So he's over two and a quarter miles here saying Sam should be really hard to beat against the likes of Gatsby Gray and um, Fields Cesaris. The Carrick Mines Handicap Chase, that's a grade two or a grade B over two miles five. That's got nine runners. And I think uh, Martin Brazel's Panda Boy will be hard to beat in that. But as you mentioned, uh, Shane, this is, 11 sleeps to go Christmas Mm. is coming Santa and his presents but there's still a lot to happen between now and then and we had a little bit of news today about who won't be going to Cheltenham Yes indeed we did and unfortunately this is probably going to be our last question and we're going to finish on a negative note but there was confirmation that Jack Kennedy will miss the Cheltenham Festival after losing his race against time to be fit uh, with that leg break as well it's his fifth leg break now it's fifth time he's broken his leg I mean it's just heartbreaking news for, for poor Jack Yes, as a 23-year-old athlete, to have that number of breaks is catastrophic in itself. But there will be good racing and good races to be won uh, post-Cheltenham. And, you know, if these whip offences keep getting dished out, maybe Jack Kennedy will be picking up all the spare rides afterwards anyway. uh, So that's news from him. We wait on confirmation as regards Mark Walsh. Of course, he's out with an injury at the moment, and it was revealed by Henry de Bromhead during the week that he is booked to ride Manila Indo in the Gold Cup as it is expected that Rachel Blackmore will renew her partnership with last year's winner at Plutard in the big showpiece event. So it's all happening. Hopefully everybody else stays safe and sound, including the horses themselves. What's the stat? The last 56 Cheltenham Festival races, the Irish have won 41 and we'll be going with a strong team once again. Here's hoping, Jane Mangan, I apologise about my timekeeping. That is where we're going to have to leave the conversation, but lots to look forward to and we'll be building up the Cheltenham and Duke course. Uh, Sinead, that is all we've time for from all of the game on team. It is. Bye for now. RTE.
Two FM.